the world hates disciples. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That, that is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have both hated me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. The work of the Holy Spirit. When the advocate, when the advocate comes, whom will I send to you from the Father? The Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All of this I have told you, so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can no longer see me, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, good morning, everybody. It is fabulous to see you this morning. And I just actually want to say something to James. So our um, youngest daughter, she's 26, 
and she was dressing up yesterday. She went as a Dalmatian or a cow, I'm not quite sure, anyway, to a rugby game. And they had a bit of a dance-off, apparently, between another group of Dalmatians. And she won a signed T-shirt of the, of, the, of the team. Anyway, I think if you like dressing up, I just don't think you ever grow up. So we're going to be looking at the, at the work of the Holy Spirit um, this morning. So before I start, um, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word and for the work of our Lord Jesus and for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And so we pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to come upon us all now and just to fill us all with your love and your truth and your conviction, Lord, that we are yours. Lord, come amongst us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have been through quite a lot in the last two years, haven't we? There's been huge world-changing events. But I wonder, do we feel like questioning or even giving up on our faith? Maybe it's just all too confusing. Maybe it's not what we expected. And we're struggling to make sense of it. And maybe we feel Christians have let us down and... uh, We just feel maybe we want to move on because God doesn't make sense anymore. So in this passage we're looking at, we have Jesus and his disciples celebrating the feast of Passover together. And Jesus has a lot to tell them. But now there's this real change in atmosphere. He's getting serious and actually really alarming about talking about what's going to happen in the future. So verse 4, Jesus says he doesn't tell them all that at the beginning because they had to get to know him, to befriend him, and to love him and to know that he loved them. So Jesus had opened their eyes to such new experiences. So he had showed them such power, provision. He was the one who healed the sick and he walked on water. And he had this amazing teaching with such authority. And there was opposition to Jesus, but it tended to be directed to him, at, at him. And, okay, so he was quite difficult to understand at times, but they really felt safe with him. But now, um, verse 6, they're filled with grief because Jesus warns them that he is going to go away. And being quite self-centered, they were really more concerned about being without Jesus than understanding where he was going because it was such shocking news that the road ahead was about to get brutally hard and he wouldn't be there to steer them through so it is easier isn't it to trust God when everything is going well because we feel blessed and life runs smoothly and we can all feel safe and in control so the disciples hadn't understood Jesus warnings about his death at the hands of the Jews and the Romans. And now Jesus tells them that they are going to suffer a brutal opposition from even the religious authorities. They needed to keep on believing in Jesus and not to fall away. 
And we have no idea what's going to just happen just around the corner. So our lives suddenly might fall apart. And does this mean that God has abandoned us? Not at all. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we need to keep on believing in Jesus and not fall away. And that can be really hard and ongoing and can take time to process. So by way of comfort and encouragement, Jesus explains the work of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus needs to go in order to send the Holy Spirit. Jesus' absence will actually be an advantage for the disciples and us because then the Holy Spirit can be with every believer anywhere and all the time. So I hope we've got a diagram um, now. Oh, great, there we are. So here's a diagram to explain what God is doing through history. So the Trinity is eternal and living in perfect community with each other, but wants to reunite us in paradise again. So the Old Testament is mainly about the era of the Father, and then God sends Jesus to earth, who carries out his rescue plan for humanity by dying in our place. And then the resurrected Jesus then ascends to be glorified in his Father's presence. And this is described beautifully in Philippians 2. So the Holy Spirit is sent to be a spiritual presence in the world and in the heart of every believer. The Holy Spirit has to wait for Jesus to return to rule and intercede for us in heaven. And only then can he guide the disciples into all the truth about Jesus as Lord. So the resurrected Jesus cannot die, but there's no point in him staying on earth, or we would be saying, oh yes, I follow Jesus, and uh, the last I heard, he was living somewhere in Moldova. No, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and his rightful place is in heaven. And the Spirit, so, so Jesus brings his humanity to heaven, and the Spirit brings heaven back to humanity. So what a gift of grace that is. So uh, we've got a picture now at, for Ascension, for Ascension Day. So according to John 16, 14, the work of the Holy Spirit is to give glory to Jesus. And it's like that glory that he, um, as he ascended into heaven um, with the heavenly host, so, so the Holy Spirit is sort of focusing on Jesus, rather like a light, that, a night light that shines up against a building, just focusing and giving light to that building. So glory can have various meanings, but it describes the, the splendor and the holiness and the majesty of, of God, his importance, his greatness, his power, just how worthy he is. Jesus is worthy of all praise. So let's have a look then about how the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. So firstly, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. 
So he will guide the disciples into all the truth and remind them of what Jesus has said. And this helps us to be confident about uh, who wrote the New Testament in that all scripture is God-breathed. And that is such a help. Because they say that when you go and talk to your medical consultant, you only remember about 30% of what is said. So there is this perfect unity of truth from the Father and the obedience of the Son and then the Spirit passing on what he has received. And then secondly, in verse 8, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of the truth of Jesus regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. So the biggest decision we make in life is what we think about Jesus. So sin puts self at the center of our lives, and so we refuse to yield to Jesus. But it is only the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and the hearts of others that convicts us of our need for Christ. And the Holy Spirit convicts us about righteousness. Jesus is the only one who led a perfect life and is totally righteous and worthy of heaven. So the bar is 100%. Because people might think that righteousness is really respectability, you know, being a decent sort. And we probably all know other people who are kinder and more generous and more concerned with justice than we are. But actually, only Jesus is righteous enough in God's sight. And then there's judgment. Well, the Jews had judged Jesus as worthy of death and had him crucified. But actually, it was Satan who was judged on the cross. Because Satan has no power, no hold on Jesus as the righteous one of God. So Satan is judged by the obedience of Jesus. And Satan will be finally driven out at the last judgment, which will be a time of great joy. Because isn't he wreaking havoc in our world at the moment? And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit will convict people by testifying about Jesus and who he is. And also the disciples as eyewitnesses must testify about Jesus, which they did with great boldness when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit partners with us and sometimes works despite us in the hearts of people. I remember going to a Christian talk, which really seemed so dull and boring. And then people became Christians through it, I mean, there were people standing out. I thought they were going to leave, but actually they were going forward for prayer. So forgive my unbelief. But, of course, for others, it is a painfully slow process in coming to faith. But as Christians, our aim is not to live the best life to our satisfaction, but to be faithful in our witness which might mean sharing the hardship and humiliation of Jesus by believing God's truth in a world that is dominated by mockery, violence, or just indifference. So if our faith is important to us, why don't we tell our friends more about, about what Jesus means to us? Is that fear of rejection? 
But Jesus came to save rather than condemn. He wants people to, uh, to hear about him through us. And when we meet with God, will God ask us, so where are your friends? Didn't you tell them about me? I find that very challenging. And fourthly, his presence is with us even when we face opposition or persecution. So we won't be standing alone. The Holy Spirit helps us to stand strong and keep believing in difficult times because Jesus has suffered that rejection too. And uh, in chapter 16, uh, Jesus warns his disciples about the cost of following him. So forewarned is forearmed, as they say. And we might feel that maybe um, so much of Western evangelism is rather shallow and consumerist. It promises so much and demands so little. A little bit of repentance, but then a victorious life of love, and joy and peace, which is quite right, but how much on expecting sacrifice, self-denial, a holy lifestyle, or maybe persecution for Christ? So Brother Andrew talked about this when he was Bishop of Baghdad uh, when it's during the um, troubles in Iraq, and the Christians from Muslim backgrounds came forward for baptism, and they knew they were surrendering everything to follow Jesus, even their very lives. But they were so convinced of the truth of Jesus and of his dying in their place and setting them free, and they knew the world would hate them. And some were killed shortly afterwards, others kicked out of their homes by their families or they lost their jobs. They suffered harassment or went to prison. But the Holy Spirit was present to keep their faith alive and to keep them testifying about Jesus. So according to Open Doors, um, which is a, a charity for persecuted church, today over 360 million Christians suffer persecution and discrimination because of their faith. From Islamic extremism, to digital persecution in China. And um, Christian women, I have to say, have been given a particularly hard time with forced marriages and, uh, and violence. But, we, uh, but in Iraq now, where, as the persecution has eased, they're looking to the future. I've got a, a photo of Bishop Shimon Daniel, who uh, looks such a jolly man. He's, uh, he's lovely. Uh, but um, he would say to us, having been through all that persecution, wake up to the mission of Jesus. Don't compromise your faith with your culture. Live by the Spirit to honor Jesus. And despite the hardships, keep on believing. Because they've seen God working in amazing ways. And he said, think about being centers of hope, to care for people's needs, to see what difference Jesus makes in the neighborhood. So John Powell was commissioned as a street pastor in the nine, uh, nine o'clock service. And that is what he will be doing, being the difference that Jesus can make 
in the neighborhood, surrounded by prayer and living the mission of Jesus by caring for others. So we pray that he will be able to tell his story um, to those who ask him, why are you a street pastor? However, the challenging thing is, as 2 Timothy 3.12 says, everyone who desires to live a godly life will be persecuted. And to be loved by the world will take compromise. If we are loved by the world, do they know who we really are and what knowing Christ means? If you are a people pleaser, like I am, it's really hard. I don't want to say anything that's going to offend anyone or um, invite criticism. Really, I want to be loved by God and loved by the world, please. But actually, that can make us into quite gray people rather than the colorful people that God made us to be. And if we try too hard to be liked, then we're not really equipped to know how to respond to criticism and opposition when it comes. So if the world is in the wrong about Jesus, let us work on being authentic God-pleasers rather than people-pleasers. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit who lives in our hearts and is a constant presence to guide us into God's truth to honour Jesus as the key to our redemption and to help us to witness that to others. So God has given us so many benefits to focus on because he loves us. He's left us with the Holy Spirit. So we don't need to give up on God, but to keep trusting and depending on him, even through hard times when things don't make sense. So are we going to seek God, people's approval or are we going to be ready to be God's pleasers, whatever the cost? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you never leave us. Thank you for the gift of your spirit to warm our hearts with your truth and your saving power and your love for us. Help us to be fully committed to pleasing you rather than people. And help us, Lord, just to share our faith in a kind and gentle way that others may know you. In Jesus' name, amen.